it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Wow, can you believe we're closing out an extremely busy week? First primary week, a lot of things going on around the world, and a big standoff within our states. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade here. Admiral Stravitas is standing by. Uh, bottom of the hour, we're going to talk to Mike Rogers. Uh, he was on uh, the House Select Intelligence Committee. You know, he served in the FBI, the military, and he wants to be the next senator for Michigan. It's a perfect time to talk to him. A lot is going on today. We are following the latest, and this is one thing you got to look out. Donald Trump today was supposed to be in Arizona. He's got a court case, and that's when uh, I'm sure Nikki Haley's going to be talking about on our channel shortly. We'll bring you some of the highlights of that interview. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. But when it comes to social media... It follows us everywhere with addictive little pings and algorithms that keep us constantly turning back to it. These dopamine hits are so addictive, it's like a digital fentanyl. Social media has a, has a ban in play in Florida for kids under 16. And this is uh, something also the mayor of New York City is urging. Is this trend? Is this a trend you can back? It is even possible to enforce. Let's discuss it. Number two. Since the New Hampshire primary, where she placed second, she has raised more than two and a half million dollars. Her super PAC, I'm told, is also raking in cash. But it's going to be tough for her to ramp up a national campaign very quickly. Yep, the GOP fight goes on as Haley stays in with enough donor dollars flowing to fight on against Donald Trump. This, as the Reuters poll shows, is expanding his lead over President Biden. Number one. We stand with Governor Abbott and Texas in reminding the federal government under our Constitution, states are still sovereign. Texas has every right to stand its ground. Governor Abbott has done the exact right thing. And I'll drive him more razor wire from South Dakota if I have to. A Texas standoff triggering a national divide as 25 states back Texas in their effort to defend their own border. This should not even be a question, but the president of the United States is not for that. He's fighting to, I guess, take it down and open up the border. He's warning Governor Abbott to stand down because he will not. It's crazy what's happening in this country. These are all fixable issues. Uh, Those are all basic, but people are too dug in and too thick-headed to actually solve problems. Admiral James Stavridis does that for a living. He's done his entire career solving problems and fighting for America. The 16th Supreme Allied Commander of NATO. His upcoming book is called 2054, A Novel. Admiral, welcome back. Good to be with you, Brian. It is a very busy week. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's let's talk about what's happening overseas first. How do you feel, uh, or put into context, why we, and that's not been denied, would give Iran a heads up of a would-be a terror attack after the Soleimani's uh, marking four years since his uh, since his death. Why would we give Iran a heads up on that while they have their militias targeting us regularly? Yeah, I I, I don't know a good answer to that question. Um, certainly, uh, there's a you know kind of a human answer to that question, but I would argue we are in a state of not declared war, but a clearly a state of real conflict with Iran. And as you correctly point out, they're attacking our warships at sea. They're attacking our troops ashore. 
um, it, it does not compute for me that we would reach out with a warning to Iran. It was told to me uh, that uh, more proof that it did happen. One, number one, they did not deny it. Number the, the administration didn't. Number two is Soleimani's family was not there. Neither were some higher up officers. So the, the carnage took place. Eighty people died, many were wounded, but none of which were uh, esteemed officers, apparently. I don't think that really changes your calculus. And uh, where do we go from here if we're going to be cooperating with intelligence provided to the Iranians? It it just makes no sense to me, given the state of dismal relations between the two countries. Yeah, I think my point was how little they care about the so-called average people to put them in harm's way Uh, rather than just call it off uh, if you know that was going to happen. Yeah, I think that's worth pointing out that even though they received it from us, they didn't act on it in any way as far as we can tell. And as a result, uh, it is a a human tragedy that could have been averted by the Iranians. Um, But back to paragraph one, I'm not sure we ought to be in the business of providing warnings to Iran. They're not only not providing similar warnings to us when Houthi pirates launch missiles at our warships or their proxies attack our troops in Syria and Iraq, not only are they not providing such warnings, but they're actively conducting those attacks. Uh, Admiral, there's talks going on right now uh, to get our troops out of Iraq. President Obama famously pulled our troops out, and then they begged for them back as ISIS almost was threatening Baghdad. And we were tangentially, to a degree, cooperating with Iran in ousting uh, ISIS from Iraq. So we have about 2,500 troops there. Stop me if you these numbers don't add up nope. with you. And now we're to, now it looks like the Iraqi government wants us out of there, and we're talking to them about that. Where would you stand on this? Um, We should do everything we can to maintain those troops in Iraq. This is a tiny number of troops. Just to put it in perspective, at one time, Brian, we had 175,000 troops in Iraq. So now we're down to 2,500. We've also got 500 across the border in Syria. They are doing um, excellent work knocking down the remnants of the Islamic State. Um, What's Playing inside Iraq, and this gets into domestic politics inside Iraq, is in some parts of Iraq, not in the north with the the Kurds, and really not so much with the Sunnis in central Iraq, but in the south, the Shia populations, which kind of lean toward Iran, U.S. presence unpopular. So the Iraqi government I think what they're going to do is uh, have these ongoing talks. They'll go on for a long time. End of the day, the Iraqis value our security cooperation. We ought to keep our troops there. We're not going to impose them on a sovereign country. I think we can sort this one out with the Iraqi government. We should do so. It's in our interest to be there. We're just giving the whole country to Iran if we do it. And a lot of times, exactly. don't you feel as though the Iraqis are saying that in lip service, knowing it's to their advantage to have us there because they do not want to be dominated by Iran? Uh, absolutely. I think that's good analysis. And it, it gets into the complexity of of politics in Iraq, which are bifurcated. You know, we think we have divisions here uh, in the north between the Kurds, in the center between the Sunni Arabs, in the south, the Shia, a lot of Persian influence, exactly as you say. What we want is to pull that country toward the west, massive oil producer, geopolitically critical, geographically 
absolutely in the center of action. We want to be there. I think we can do that if we handle the government and the military-to-military relations properly. All right. So we're looking at uh, – we are in that region. Uh, we could just tell you within the last 45 minutes it's been confirmed that the Houthi rebels shot a, uh, uh, a missile – and at one of our ships, and we knocked it out of the sky. So we are talking to China, believe it or not, I'm sure you do believe it, about how we de-escalate and free up the Red Sea. China evidently is urging Iran to talk to the Houthis about doing that because 15% of the world's commerce uh, goes through there, so it might be affecting them. Your thoughts? Uh, This is a good example of where the U.S. and China could work together. And so um, what we ought to be doing with China, which has extremely high interest in keeping that commerce flowing, because their economy is sputtering and stumbling because of three years of bad COVID policy. They just haven't turned the corner yet coming out of the pandemic, believe it or not. So they want to keep this flowing. We want to keep it flowing. This is one where the two superpowers could work together. And I think that we need to do it eyes wide open. China wants to do this in order to keep commerce flowing. The minute that commerce is settled out again, China will go back to belt and road strategy, putting pressure on a lot of countries. But in this tactical moment, Brian, it makes sense to work with China to try and put pressure on Iran, to put pressure on the Houthis. I want to get uh, your take on Israel's, the IDF's quest to eradicate Hamas from Gaza. Here's what Jack Keane said, cut 35. In the central part, the Israelis seem to be surrounding uh, the major city there and Hamas's locations. They haven't really begun the clearing. Down in the south, where all the people are focused, and I think the leaders are there, as well as the hostages, I'm not convinced the Israelis have made up their mind whether they're going to go into Rafah or not, given the civilian population there. They have to be reassessing their strategy, Bill, in terms of is it still realistic to be able to destroy Hamas, given the subterranean challenges they have, given the presence of the hostages uh, that are likely still likely in the hands of, of of Hamas. Do you think they're reassessing? Do you think they've made a decision on going into the South? I think they are reassessing. I think General Jack has it right. Um, you can kind of feel, I don't want to say indecision, what I feel is competing views of next military moves. Um, if I were advising the Israeli military, I would say uh, encircle Khan Yunus. This is the absolute beating heart of Hamas, and then gradually work your way in using special forces. You and I have talked about this. The center of gravity here got it on the hostages, want to rescue the hostages. The military center of gravity is that tunnel complex. That has to be destroyed. And and we have just learned, Brian, under Gaza, which is only 20 miles by five miles, there are 400 miles of underground underground passages this is a citadel a city beneath this complex area so the israelis have to take that apart Um, i think what they're doing is finalizing the plans for doing exactly that Um, i think this will go on for some number of months but i'll 
conclude here the high level of casualties you saw up north and in the first month or so. Right. I think that phase is over. This is going to become pretty surgical. Admiral, you know, it's, it's almost insulting to hear uh, we should back a two-state solution when the Palestinians don't want a two-state solution. If you want to make Israeli the bad guy, go ahead and do it. But just be factual about it. Israel isn't the only one who doesn't want a two-state solution. Palestinians want nothing to do with that. At the end of the day, the Palestinians have to figure out what they want and where it's going to occur. Um, And the idea that we could simply blindly follow a mantra of two-state solution without understanding what that looks like just doesn't make any sense. The, The politician to watch, in my view, in Israel is actually not Bibi Netanyahu. I think his days are numbered. It's Benny Gantz, the former uh, IDF general, the head of the Israeli military, someone I worked with every day over my four years as Supreme Allied Commander at NATO. He is going down the path of there has to be some kind of Palestinian entity, but we don't know the shape of a a two if it's going to be a state, a political act, uh, a particular area, I think that has to be worked out. We don't need blind mantras at this point. Lastly, uh, two things real quick. Vladimir Putin evidently is using a back channel, according to a report, uh, to say, uh, I'm interested in talking about peace. Mm-hmm. And roughly the deal is I keep what I got and we, I no longer block Ukraine's entrance into NATO. Number one, it could be a head fake to help divide our allies. Uh, Number two, if he is sincere, what do you think about that deal? I think that deal, first of all, it's up to the Ukrainians. Um, On the other hand, uh, to me, that deal makes military sense. I'll let others decide the politics of it. But militarily, it's going to be extremely hard to dislodge Russia from the 15 percent of Ukraine that they hold, point two. The 15% that Russia holds is functionally destroyed. It's it's going to have to be completely rebuilt. Let Putin hang on to that and rebuild it. That's what I'd say to the Ukrainians. Point three, final point, it has got to come with membership in NATO. Um, I think if I were Ukrainian, I would take that deal. Think it's a head fake? I don't. I think Putin recognizes that he overstretched badly. He'll never conquer the entire country. He wants to consolidate and go back and rebuild. And we may have to play this movie again in five years or 10 years. But Putin's 71 years old. He's not going to last forever. I'd say for the Ukrainians, if you can get the deal to come into NATO, that's the gold standard. Now you're inside the alliance. Now you're safe. Reconstruction begins of Ukraine. And final thought, we'll use Russian frozen assets to rebuild Ukraine. I heard we were thinking about doing that real quick. The Taiwan Strait, uh, we had one of our ships go through there. Yep. uh, And the Chinese says that was provocative. Your thoughts? (laughs) That's international waters. It's no more provocative than a Chinese destroyer sailing uh, in the Atlantic Ocean. That's international waters. Our destroyer did the right thing. And believe me, our destroyers, as we're observing off the coast of Africa, can take care of themselves. I just got word that I just got three credits onto my college manuscript after this eight minutes. I just got (laughs) I marched through the world of conflict with Admiral Stravitas. Could you sign (laughs) off on that? Uh, Absolutely. Send me that form. You get an A. (laughs) By the way, 
By the way, this week I read your uh, latest book, and I loved it. Thank you. The one about uh, Booker T. Washington and Theodore Roosevelt. Absolutely fabulous and a good message for today's America. Well done you, Brian. I appreciate that. Well, I look forward to 2054, a novel. Uh, That is coming out when? Uh, March 12th, and it's about artificial intelligence, geopolitics, set in the year 2054. And that's the time when I hear you. And that's the time when I get to put you on Fox. That's your that's your mulligan, right? (laughs) You get to leave that other network and come on our show. Uh, Let's just say uh, it's a long time till 2054. (laughs) No, not 2054. (laughs) I'm saying when you have a book out, you could do Fox. Oh, absolutely. I'll be on. I'm happy to come and sit on the white couch with you. You got it. Uh, Admiral, thanks so much. Admiral James Cervides, have a great weekend. When we come back, I've got a few minutes for your calls, 1-866-408-7669. And then I go over to Mike Rogers. A lot of things going on in Michigan. You heard our interview yesterday with Tudor Dixon. He wants to be the senator from there. A lot going on, too. Uh, with this conflict with Texas. I never in my lifetime have seen anything like this. Our federal government is going to war with a state, so to speak. Right now it's in the courts. Let's hope it stays there. Uh, Last time we had something like this, Andrew Jackson had to go spank South Carolina. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base. It's The Brian Kilmeade Show. The world of business moves fast. Stay on top of it with the Fox Business Rundown every Monday and Friday. Listen to the Fox Business Rundown starting May 20th at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. All right. Uh, welcome back, everybody. I went really long with Amos Javidis, but men, it's hard. It's not easy solving the world's problems. Uh, one thing he said that was pretty significant. The first thing we, I went to break, Eric said to me, do you hear what he said? Uh, yeah. Uh, when he said, if that deal is offered, you get into, uh, I will not stand in the way of Ukraine getting into NATO. Let me keep what I've taken so far, which is 15% of the country. I would take it. That's interesting. This is a guy that knows war, knows significance. But I do say this. If you, I'm reading some of the comments come out of Norway and Sweden and Finland. These are, these are very well-funded, solid economies with solid militaries. They don't need a lot. They are such assets now that they're in NATO. They think an attack's coming within three years. Lithuania feels differently. But if NATO members feel something's coming... Don't let the political pundits or, or uh, politicians tell you what they think is going to come. I would go to our allies in the region and say this is what we're concerned about. Now, if they don't do anything, but I think they're ready to write checks to us to give them the weapons to defend themselves because they know in a fight they would kick Russia's ass, especially if we hit them from every side.
Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. What I'm worried about is his ability to win over Haley voters once this thing is over. You know, when he says anyone who makes a contribution to bird brain will be permanently banned from MAGA. You know, does that apply to Haley voters, too? You know, it shows that he hasn't learned any lessons from why he lost in 2020. He lost in 2020 because he lost 43,000 swing voters in three states. And 40, about 43,000 swing voters will decide this election next November. He's got to win them over. They're not MAGA. <laughs> they are either Democrats or, or center-right uh, Republicans uh, who are not, not, not big fans of his. He's got to win them over and expand his base, not shrink his base. You don't ban people from MAGA if you want to become president of the United States again. That is Mark Thiessen weighing in on the president's proclamation to... Uh, to try to uh, to wedge Nikki Haley out. Mike Rogers joins us now, a former Michigan congressman, wants to be the next senator there, and former chairman of the House Permanent Select Committee in Intel. Uh, also, you know that Mike also has uh, served in the military and the FBI. Mike, welcome back. What do you think about what Mark Thiessen said? Well, listen, elections are always about addition. And so uh, when I look at how we're going to win here in Michigan, uh, the Republican basis is fired up as I've ever seen them. Uh, and I do believe we, we need to engage uh, independents and Democrats. And the reason you're seeing the numbers that you are in Michigan is because independents and Democrats know that Joe Biden is a disaster. I mean, here in Michigan, it's 900. I mean, the most expensive vehicle to operate in 2024, Brian, in Michigan is your grocery cart. $950 a month between the Trump administration and the Biden administration, extra money that you didn't, by the way, it's inflationary. So groceries. And where'd you get that number uh, from? We got that from uh, the the national, there's some national reporting on it. Heritage had a piece on it uh, as well as if you do the standard uh, inflationary numbers, you'll get, you'll come to that conclusion. It's about $11,600 in more spending uh, per family across the country. Well, that's a that's a good number because the president does have macro numbers that look strong. The growth at GDP at three point one percent. We know unemployment's been low for you know five years now, thankfully, uh, and inflation's growing at a slower rate, but it's never recovered from going up to ten. It's just it's just increasing less, which people have yeah. to understand. And now the interest rate's going down, and I wonder if the Fed wants Joe Biden to be president. Because if interest rates well, go down, that could loosen up the real estate market, and that can get people remortgaging and doing other things. I just hope they're not playing politics. Are you saying that politics crept into the Fed, Brian? What? Shocking. Um, it listen, used to be a conversation in the 90s that probably there'd be good pushback on. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, nobody understands it now. But here's the thing. All the numbers you just talked about may be true. But what isn't happening is people, I mean, Michigan, we're, you know, the median wage is about $56,000 a year. Uh, your energy prices have gone up. Your grocery prices have gone up. So when somebody looks at them and says, hey, we're, we're you know, we're all these smarty pants economists uh, and your life is better now because the economy is coming around thanks to borrowing and spending by Joe Biden. They ain't buying it because, you know, they, you have to take uh, groceries off of the conveyor belt and put it back in your cart. Because the costs keep going up. And they say, well, inflation isn't as bad. It's still bad. It's a third higher than it should be, a third. And so that means on top of that money, matter of fact, when I first started talking about the costs, Brian, it was $700 a month. Now it's up to 950 according to the latest numbers, right, when you think about the 20%, 22% increases in costs 
across the board, gasoline. I mean, you just people understand it because they feel it every day. So this is where, again, the economists, the Bidenomics, all of that really fails. And now, of course, they're saying, oh, and by the way, we're going to tell you what kind of car you have to drive. Uh, and, uh, and you're not going to like it. And, oh, by the way, that's a 40% cut in labor. And that hits a state like Michigan incredibly hard, which is why the UAW president even came out, Brian, and said, yeah, I get it that there a lot of uh, UAW voters will vote for Donald Trump this year. Yeah, they will, because their costs are up. Uh, they're going after their pickup trucks. I mean, this, you can't find a better set of issues to run against. The they have become the coastal elite party that is dangerous for the future of this country, uh, and people are mad about it. And so as long as uh, President Trump talks about those things, I know I do every day, uh, we're picking up friends and independents and Democrats every single day on the campaign trail. Well, the Line 5, tell everyone Line 5, if I have that right, through Lake Michigan, and what this governor is going to do and what it would mean for the Upper Peninsula. We talked to Tudor Dixon yesterday. What would it mean for everyone in Michigan? Oh, it's very, very significant, right? It's, it is, it's a pipeline that would be built underneath, not on top. So the current pipeline that, that uh, gets oil uh, and natural gas from uh, Canada sits on top of the bottom of the lake. And I think that's probably not the best answer. We have better technology today. They want to build a line underneath the lake so it doesn't and would not contaminate the water if, God forbid, something happened. Uh, which is the safest, most environmentally friendly way to get this thing done. And the governor just says no. And you know why they say no? Is they, they really don't mind if your energy prices increase. They want to shove you into that electric car that doesn't work in the Upper Peninsula yep. when it's 10 degrees. It's incredible. Do you hear that they're freezing new natural gas contracts? Uh, because of, I was reading the New York Times yesterday, there's some pressure from environmentalists. Everybody knows it burns clean, but the transportation has great risk. So by putting it on ships and having it go across oceans, they say it's too much of a carbon footprint. So he's freezing all new natural gas contracts. Well, again, they're, they're doing this in tandem. And this is about a well-organized an effort to raise your uh, energy prices so high, you have to do what the government says, like buy an electric car again that doesn't work for you. Matter of fact, Brian, uh, let's uh, we'll have a little secret here in your listeners. I have the best new company idea ever. You're, you're going to want to get in on this early. We're going to produce the largest extension cords in the history of mankind. Uh, yeah, so that you can actually take that extension cord, plug your car and get back and forth to work without worrying about losing charge and all of that. I mean, it's such nonsense. Here's what else they're doing. They're going after these things called marginal wells. Marginal wells are those if you're ever out in rural, probably New York or here in Michigan and other places, Ohio, on these farms, sometimes you see these jack pumps just kind of pumping away. Those produce about five to 15 barrels of oil a day, uh, which, by the way, is good extra income for for farmers. Uh, and it produces roughly between 10 and 15 percent of the daily production of oil for the United States. They are trying to put them out of business. There are some 700,000 of those. The EPA has come out here in the state of Michigan. They're trying to raise their bond prices so high that you can't. It's, that doesn't doesn't even make sense to uh, get the oil out of these things uh, and send it into the market. That will artificially drive up the price of gasoline and make us far more dependent on. Uh, for, yeah, and they're doing now. You're doing this with uh, natural gas. Are you still building the battery plant? The Chinese battery plant is still being built in Michigan. They, they have the federal government and the state government combined have given about three billion dollars to these Chinese plants. Unbelievable. Why this is a pro- yeah, it's unbelievable. Here's the other part of this gets my blood going. 
they're going to have to have Chinese engineers at this plant because they license this Chinese technology, of which, by the way, taxpayers paid for probably before they stole it from University of Texas. And now here in uh, in the state of Michigan, we're going to give them money to help build this plant to get a part of this. It's about 60 miles, and there's no travel restrictions. So if you're a Chinese uh, uh, scientist, you show up. You have no travel. You can travel all over the state wherever you want to go. If you're, you know, of course, and to be in that job, you have to be a Communist Party member. It's about 60 to 70 miles away from a place called uh, Grayling, Michigan, which is where we have a pretty large, um, mainly training base. And guess who we train at that base? Who? Oh. We train Taiwanese soldiers to defend themselves against a Chinese invasion in Taiwan. I'm sure this is all coincidence for the Chinese to want to be so involved, so close to a military base that trains Chinese. Well, you got to come out. I hope you have 30 second spots running on this or 60s. Uh, because well, we're going to be that talking out. about China a lot. Listen, the way the Biden administration is going, they're going to try to artificially make you try to drive away from energy by raising your prices. By the way, you pay the, the average working person is paying a horrible price for this. Number one. Number two, 85 percent of all the processing of these electric cars they're mandating you drive have to be processed in China. China says they want to be the world dominant economy by 2035. Guess what? The United States just handed them uh, a, right. a, a no toll pass to get there. Well, we're not going to. Really hopefully, you can stop because they're sucking wind. They have their young people can't get jobs. There's productivity is falling through the basement. Uh, there's they they don't have any. They're not the one child policy is destroying their future. So hopefully, people realize that. Uh, Mike Rogers, our guest. Mike, I got to bring you to this Texas. I've never seen it in my lifetime. You have 25 states backing up Texas against the federal government because all they want to do is protect their border, uh, and they are standing up to Joe Biden. And now they got some backing. Cut number three. We stand with Governor Abbott and Texas in reminding the federal government that under our Constitution, states are still sovereign, and we have the right to protect our citizens. Texas has every right to stand its ground, and Florida will continue to be there uh, helping out every step of the way. Governor Abbott has done the exact right thing, and I'll drive him more razor wire from South Dakota if I have to. Do you believe this is happening? This is, a, this is not war between the states, but war between the federal government and sober states. The blue states are affected in Illinois, are affected in New York, but they're keeping their powder dry right now. Your thoughts? Oh, I've never seen anything like this. You want to talk about dividing America? Uh, this is doing it. The Biden administration's no border policy, open border policy, A, is dangerous for our national security. It's all blinking red right now. Uh, matter of fact, a whole bunch of FBI guys said, uh, directors retired, uh, said, hey, this is, there's probably an imminent attack. We can probably get at it, but this, something's coming that bad. Number two, uh, the fact that the states want to try to protect its citizens and the federal government's literally cutting the cutting the fences that they put up to protect their own people is so outrageously bad uh, and wrong. And so when 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 you hear uh, the Biden administration running around saying this is about democracy, it's about democracy. Oh, it is about democracy. You are driving this country into the hands of the Communist Party and you're doing a, a disservice by allowing our criminal elements fentanyl, human trafficking, uh, and now terrorists come across our southern border, and the rest of the nation knows it. This may be the largest miscarriage of justice I think I've ever seen. They need to let these states protect themselves, and actually what they need to do is protect us 
from the onslaught that's coming across that southern border. They're not doing it. I mean, again, this is why Democrats and independents in a state like Michigan are going, okay, something's up. This is wrong. Uh, We're not putting up with it. That's going to be a really good day for us in November, but I'd rather have them fix it now because I'm a little bit afraid for our our national security and our community security. We have criminal gangs, Brian, real quick, came up through the southern border from Chile. Uh, They're very sophisticated in the kind of home invasions they do. They have uh, devices to get around your alarm system. They have uh, uh, radios that interfere with police radios. Can you imagine this? And they're, they're robbing uh, homes all across south, southeast Michigan today. This thing is an epidemic crisis and colossal failure by this administration to protect its citizens. Uh, Mike Rogers, uh, best of luck to you trying to get that Senate seat, uh, that open Senate seat in Michigan, and working hard to do it. The credentials are hard to argue with. It's hard to see find someone better. Mike Rogers, thank you. Thanks, Brian. You got it. one 408 7669 We got the war between... Uh, 25 states in the federal government. We have the 2024 battle continuing as President Trump decides to tell the RNC uh, thanks but no thanks when it comes to automatically giving him the nomination. Uh, And we have uh, Nikki Haley just spoke to Dana Perino. We'll bring some of that back. A lot to go over. So glad you're here on a busy Friday. Hear the ins and outs of the 2024 election right here. The Brian Kilmeade Show. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Could you imagine if you got somebody else's bonus? What would you at do? Work? Do cash at it. work? No, but if it's at work and you know that what they got that bonus, would that just burn you up? Yes. Yes, like, it would. If you got Kilmeade's bonus? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. We solve time. Well, how that, why that guy gets paid is beyond me. <laughs> I think he pays Fox to work. Here. <laughs> that, that's true. He probably would. <laughs> he would. He would. Anything I can do to help. When we have a lot of time, we just bash Kilmeade. <laughs> oh, that's so that's not fair. fair. All right, it's that's not... it for us. Have a great night. We all want Kilmeade's bonus, Greg. We all do. <laughs> all right, so I'm, I happen to be watching that, and I'm saying to myself. They have, they clearly, they told Jessica, take your time on, the, on one more thing. And I never hear that. Usually the last person doesn't even get in on one more thing. So she takes her time. They still have a minute left. How do, how do I come up in that? And the biggest surprise, you know what the biggest surprise is, Allison? Is it Dana or Brett? Dana. Dana. Her but two Dana, more, cut but Dana Perino, to weigh in on this, when I always thought she would have my back and be the voice of reason and not to put, go down that rabbit hole. Of in my bonus, and that I'm not worthy, overpaid, underpaid. How she would get involved in but this? But I would argue she actually might have been the voice of reason because she said you probably would pay Fox to work here. <laughs> that's that's that not good for my next contract. All that's right, very true. Because Dana said it. They might even roll that clip. So that's a little crazy. But right. it's isn't it endearing to know if they have extra time? The first thing they want to talk about is you. And everybody chimed in. Actually, Jessica did not chime in. And I appreciate Judge Pirro. And then Brett on the transition held on to he it. Couldn't resist. Okay, I want you to hear this. Yes, this is two days in a row. By the way, uh, I don't know if we have Wednesday's speech, but on Thursday's speech, Joe Biden at a brewery to talk about how because a bridge was rebuilt, this brewery was able to thrive somewhere in Wisconsin. Uh, tell me if this makes sense to you. Cut 29. Cut 20, sorry. By the way, used to make beer brewed here. It is used to make the brew beer. 
Ooh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why. Okay. Why they were laughing? Did maybe triggered the president saying something? So this is what he said. By the way, the beer brewed here. It used to be make the brew beard here. Oh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why. Okay. That's somebody having an aneurysm. You know, we have seen anchors on the air. Do you ever see this? Where they just start saying in unintelligible things they were they were having an aneurysm. I mean, this guy's had two aneurysms. That that's not a misstep. That's not a stutter. That's not twisting your words. This is this is so nonsensical. It should be scary. So I mean, it is scary. Probably not having an aneurysm. But the the set the point is though he does this very often. He just do, do we have Wednesdays, Eric? Mess with the women on Eric unless you want to <laughs> get the benefit. Frankly. Donald Trump and MAGA Republicans, including the woman hollering. Woman hollering was Hamas. He is being interrupted wherever he goes with these protesters. For a ceasefire. Uh, I don't know if you could yell at Donald Trump. I don't think Donald Trump has even said anything about that. But you can go yell at it, you know. But you're yelling at Joe Biden over his decision. You know, it was against his decision. A lot of other Democrats. So Stephen A. Smith weighed in, too, last night, and it's hard to look past any type of decline. We'll, we'll keep that for a different hour. But you have Dean Phillips. You have, obviously, John Fetterman is not going to be saying anything after what he, for a year and a half, he made no sense. But now you have other people who just have to say, wait a second. Van Jones put it best when he said the president would do very well not to speak because he doesn't do well making his own case. When you are best, when your best advice is to not be there, it's like, Brian, you're great on your show, that radio show you do, but it's great, really good when you're not there. If someone says that, it's pretty big an insult. Brian, you get great ratings when you're not there. If you do feel that way, Allison and Eric, don't tell me. All right? Brian, kill me, Joe. I told you not to tell me. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country. We're going to be heard around the world. We're back from New Hampshire for a couple of days now. Thanks so much for following us as we brought the show on the road. Congressman Jason Smith at the bottom of the hour. You know he's chairman of Ways and Means, the most powerful committee in the House. He's going to be getting a look, not on a couple of things we're talking about. The new immigration bill, which is supposed to be pretty comprehensive, have a lot of good things in it, but there's a lot of people on the right who say, I just don't trust Joe Biden to do anything on immigration. And then we're going to do a simulcast uh, with uh, Stuart Varney. So this is going to be a big hour. Julian Epstein standing by. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. But when it comes to social media, it follows us everywhere with addictive little pings and algorithms that keep us constantly turning back to it. These dopamine hits are so addictive, it's like a digital fentanyl. Ah, there you go. Social media ban in Florida for kids under 16. And it's also urged by Mayor Adams of New York City. Is this a trend that you can back? It is, is it even possible to enforce? Number two. Since the New Hampshire primary, where she placed second, she has raised more than $2.5 million. Her super PAC, I'm told, is also raking in cash. But it's going to be tough for her to ramp up a national campaign very quickly. 
The GOP fight goes on as Haley stays in with enough donor dollars flowing to fight on against Trump. This, as a Reuters poll shows, he's expanding his lead over President Biden. Number one. We stand with Governor Abbott and Texas in reminding the federal government under our Constitution States are still sovereign. Texas has every right to stand its ground. Governor Abbott has done the exact right thing, and I'll drive him more razor wire from South Dakota if I have to. Wow, a Texas standoff triggering a national divide as 25 states back Texas in their effort just to defend their border because President Biden won't. He's warning Governor Abbott to stand down, and he won't. So uh, let's see how this goes. And just quick note. If you have the Fox News app, there's so many different ways to watch. You can watch on Fox Nation. And if you have the Fox News app, just look at the bottom of the app. It says watch and just page over until you get radio. And on radio, you'll be able to see us. Uh, and you'll see we've got cameras all over here. Julian Epstein was in studio last time we talked to him two weeks ago. He served as chief counsel of the House Judiciary Committee, a staff director to the House Oversight Committee uh, for Democrats. That's for about five years. Julian, welcome back. Brian, good morning. It's good to be with you again. Hey, Julian, uh, let me drag you into the standoff between Texas, who says, uh, you're not letting me defend my border. You're not defending my border. So I'm doing it myself. So they keep putting out razor wire. They locked him out of Shelby Park, a big illegal immigrant passage. They say that they have the Constitution on their side. They cite passages uh, and they cite uh, sentiments from Madison and Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Who's Who's got the legal right here? Well, as a... Uh, I'm sympathetic. I mean, and this is, and I think a lot of Democrats, uh, more traditional and sort of centrist Democrats, are sympathetic to what's happening in uh, to the state of Texas. I mean, it is. You can use whatever word you want. An invasion, um, uh, just open board, whatever word you want. But there are millions uh, every year flowing into this country uncontrolled. We have no idea who these many of these folks are. We don't know. Uh, a, how many of the folks that are being apprehended by Border uh, Patrol are, uh, are are terrorists? Uh, we don't know how much fentanyl is coming in. We don't know how much uh, all of, of all of this is being done by gangs. But it's just an intolerable situation. So I think uh, the state of Texas is exasperated, um, and they are looking for desperate means to try to do something to control the problem. If you look at what happened in New York, Brian and Chicago. I mean, I think one of the smartest things that the the uh, governor of Texas did was to ship immigrants to um, illegal immigrants to Martha's yep. Vineyard, because you see just a tiny number of immigrant, a fraction of the number of immigrants going into Democratic-controlled strongholds, and Democratic officials have a complete meltdown. And, you know, the mayor of New York, the mayor of Chicago, the folks in Martha's Vineyard, they can't deal with it. And we're talking about just, you know, a couple hundred, maybe a couple hundred thousand max in New York and Chicago, for example. And it's a complete collapse of the system. And yet Democrats and people are on the left in this sort of typical elite, you know, do as I say, not as I do mentality are saying folks in the southern in the south and the border states should be able to deal with this and no, you know, this is your problem. Right. And when I they would... look to some kind of self-help means, um, uh, the, the, the federal government tries to slap it down. As a legal matter, I think Texas will lose because of the supremacy of the federal government when it comes to immigration. But as a policy matter, what I think Biden ought to be doing is working with the governor of Texas 
helping to erect border uh, fences um, and he's even not. a wall. If I, I want you to hear well, the legal. He I know. I want you to hear the legal argument. Here's Governor Greg Abbott. Cut five. It was the states that created the United States, and when the states voted to uh, create the United States and have a constitution, uh, included in that agreement was the compact that the federal government would take care of the states. And Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution speaks to that and, and says that uh, if the federal government does not take care of the states and the states are in danger, well, we can ask the federal government to live up to its obligation. Then the authors of the Constitution knew there would be times when the federal government would not live up to its duty. And so they empowered states in Article 1, Section 10, the right of self-defense. And what Texas is asserting is our Article 1, Section 10 right of self-defense mm. because the president of the United States is not fulfilling his duty to enforce the laws passed by Congress that deny illegal entry into the United States. How's that argument? And do you bring that argument right to the Supreme Court? What court does that uh, hears that? Well, I'm again, I'm as a policy matter, I'm sympathetic to the governor of Texas. What about a legal matter? Disaster. As a legal matter, I think this has been you've had these issues litigated, including about eight years ago before the Supreme Court and Supreme Court. I, ge, ge, what generally happened, this would go to a district and up to the circuits and then the Supreme Court. Um, as a as a as a legal matter, my guess is the Supreme Court is going to rule that enforcement of the borders is a federal function under the Constitution. But what if they're not doing it? Well, I then I think what the Supreme Court will say is the answer is uh, election. Uh, that the uh, government is – it's a bad answer. It's an unsatisfactory answer. I, I don't like it as a policy matter. As I say, I'm sympathetic yeah. to the governor of, of Texas because, look, this has been a disaster. It, I've told Democrats this time and time again. If they don't like Donald Trump, then the best uh, – you know, they are acting as Donald Trump's best friend because Donald Trump came in in 2016 as much on immigration as anything else. And if you want to look at – you know, why Donald Trump has jet fuel in his campaign right now. Look at the immigration problem. Look at the crime problem. Look at the inflation problem. Look at all of these issues that has have resulted, uh, in my opinion, because the White House and the president has listened too much to the far left of our party and things have gotten chaotic. I mean, you should I'm in Washington, D.C. right now. I can't find a single person in the city who has not been victimized by uh, car vandalization, wow. uh, um, uh, um, uh, uh, car or crime in general, crime or carjacking or crime in general. And so I think sort of what you're seeing in the, in, um, with the strength of support that Donald Trump has right now is a complete reaction to liberal and progressive misrule, not just in the federal government, but I think in local governments as well. So, Julian, State right now, governments. as you know, Cinema, uh, Langford, Murphy, along with White House representatives, have been working for weeks on, they say, a substantial border reform. But before the, the details come out, can you blame Republicans for being skeptical that there's any sincerity from the White House at all, judging by what I just told you? They're, they're, they're saying, take up the razor wire. I'm going to sue Texas if they enforce their own border. Um, how dare the Texas National Guard do their arresting and pass their own rules? We're going to sue them because of that. Uh, we're not going to give money to the cities 
for their uh, for their legal immigrants that are all over the place in sanctuary cities, yeah. sanctuary cities in, in New York and Chicago, uh, San Francisco and Philadelphia. We're not giving them money. These are Democratic run cities. So then all of a sudden you look at this piece of paper and you say, OK, this is the immigration reform bill that's supposed to be so hard. How am I supposed to sincerely think that you back this piece of paper when your actions leading up to the release are so uh, anti-enforcement? Look, I used to be chief counsel of the Judiciary Committee in uh, in the House for the Democrats, Brian. And I remember a time under the Clinton administration, um, then under the Obama administration, where Democrats you know, had a very common sense centrist position. Um, they believed that illegal uh, they believed that immigrants should learn to speak English. Um, they believed they were strongly against illegal immigration. They were for legal immigration. They believed in border security. They even up until 2014 believed in walls and fencing uh, to create security. And the party has had sort of just a, 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 a radicalization, almost an invasion of the body snatchers in the last uh, in the last five, six years where it has just become sort of controlled by the radicalized left. And so what I I understand the cynicism that some Republicans feel Um, when when Corrine Jean-Pierre at the White House stands up and says, you know, this is a problem because uh, Congress hasn't been able to fix it. um, That's just not correct. The president has power today without any legislation to reinstate Title 42 to employ a remain in Mexico policy the way Trump did, um, to uh, to uh, rescind all of the parole provisions uh, that have allowed um, this sort of catch and release disaster policy. So the president has the authority to fix the immigration problem for the most part just because of his inherent authority. Um, the fact that this president has not done so and is looking for sort of a bailout on this issue politically around election time is the reason that Republicans don't want to play ball. I sort of get that. Um, I think that it makes sense to proceed with the cinema bill and and this bipartisan effort. Depending on what it is. Because I think, yeah. well, depending on what it is, because I think there are, if there's the right provisions are in there, I think there are things worth putting in legislation, strengthening uh, and heightening asylum standards. Um, sort of, uh, you know, there's a host of things that I think uh, would make sense to supplement the president's authority. But um, and I don't think regardless of I mean, I think the Republican fear right now is if if they sign up to any legislation that they will own the immigration problem uh, in addition to the president owning it politically. I don't think that's a real threat. I mean, I think um, the pre- the approval numbers of the president's handling on immigration, are, the numbers that I've seen are something like 30, 70, 30 against right. uh, disapproval of what the president has done. I don't think even if Republicans sign up for legislation to strengthen um, uh, the immigration system, um, I don't think they pay a political price in terms of owning the problem that Biden has almost 100 percent created. A couple, yeah. So I'd be for, right. I'd a be for the legislation. Well, I don't I, think there's a big price. But right, Julian, but we should all see what's in it first before you even say it. Correct. Uh, so let, let's see when they when Langford they're still they're still uh, beating each other up there behind closed doors. So, uh, Julian, the other thing to keep in mind is that um, at this moment, there's an opportunity if they wanted to. 
Federal troops, we could have Border Patrol clashing with the Texas National Guard. If they're told to go in and reclaim Shelby Park, if they're told to go in and start clipping that razor wire, the Texas National Guard were told don't back off. Do you worry about a, a physical clash? Yeah, I worry about a clash. I worry about uh, um, really unnecessary confrontation. I don't think, I mean, I think it is shameful that um, the president has spent so little time on the border um, and, and has seen so little himself in first, uh, on a firsthand basis in terms of how bad the problem is. So I, I think it is um, sort of ass backwards here, Brian, if you don't mind my saying that. I think what the president should be doing is directing border control to cooperate with the governor of Texas and to create better border security. I mean, we're talking about two to three million a year illegal immigrants coming into the United States, and we have no idea who many of these it's folks crazy. are. I was just looking at a letter from senior officials, former senior officials of the FBI talking about the various different types of security threats that we face. We don't know what terrorists are coming in. Uh, many of the people coming in don't necessarily share our value system. I mean, it's, it, this is insanity. And, you know, um, as I said, uh, less than a decade ago, Obama was known as the deporter in chief. I mean, the Democrats have completely switched positions from a responsible center right. to what I think is just an irresponsible progressive left position that is unsustainable. I know. And so I just I go guess, back to a Senator Manchin just said in this in this event, he said, I went up to Joe Biden after he named his staff and he said, this is the most left wing bat blank crazy staff I've ever seen. And Biden goes, well, it's so so diverse. He goes, it is so left wing. That's a Democrat who sounds like you talking to a president who hired these left wingers who have implemented this policy. And that's why they're propping them up, hoping to get another four years so they could do their work, even though they're president. Go ahead real quick. Can I tell you one thing? So there are a lot of Democrats that feel that way. And the problem with our politics right now is that people don't come on the Brian Kilmeade show and, and and don't come elsewhere and say these things publicly because they're worried that the right. flying monkeys of the left will shame them. And it's time for sort of people that have common sense, whether you're Democrat or Republican, to stand up I hear and say you. what's right and what's wrong. And this is wrong. Julian Epstein, always great. Thanks so much, Julian. Have a fantastic weekend. Brian, you got thanks it. for having me again, Brian. Yep. You got it. Well, yep. b- bottom of the hour, Jason Smith, you're next. Brian, kill me, Joe. Don't move. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. You idiot. That was candidate Joe Biden who uh, ended up emerging with the nomination and ultimately beat Joe, uh, Donald Trump for the presidency. And that statement was heard around the world. That's why people stormed across the border with Biden-Harris shirts on. And they've stopped and they've continued at a dizzying pace. And my fear is that if when it becomes clear that Trump is going to win, which it looks like he's going to now, you're not going to – we're going to have countries coming here. And this guy has no idea 
uh, what he's doing to this country because he's listening to all his left-wing staffers, and I don't think he has any idea how bad it is. He should get his 80-year-old butt down there to see for himself. Instead, he's sending his minions down there to cut razor wire and stop Texas from doing – from enforcing their border. You know who else is probably cheering Texas and not the Border Patrol? Nothing against them and not the federal government? New York, Philadelphia, Chicago, San Francisco, Los Angeles, every major city, St. Louis – All these cities that have had their lives detrimentally affected by this influx and have their budgets blown up, taking care of people from other nations because they'd rather be here than where they were born. That's not the way it works. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Senator McConnell is very focused on getting Ukraine aid, very focused on it. And I have no reason to believe he's equivocating on that. I think he was just kind of laying out the quandary we were in, laying out uh, kind of what the field looks like. How this is affected by uh, President Trump weighing in and saying, don't solve the problem at the border uh, is a real question. So we have a Senate border deal that the House got to look at that most of the Senate hasn't seen, uh, but they're working hard on it. Langford Cinema. And Senator Murphy, Connecticut, at stake is all this international aid, $65 billion to Ukraine, less to Israel and some to Taiwan. Uh, and then everything's on hold for this. They're thinking about separating this from it. And not many people trust this administration to implement any of it. But if their law is the law, they'll have to eventually do it or they'll be breaking the law. Congressman Jason Smith of uh, the House and Ways Committee joins us right now. Uh, he's chairman there. Congressman, welcome back. It's great to be with you, Brian. I should say chairman. Uh so what have they told you about Senator Lankford's deal that could be coming your way? Do you have anything concrete? Uh, nothing concrete, very little. Um, the biggest issue, Brian, when you look at the border and securing the border, the president can do this. It, it's, it's because the president is not enforcing the laws. In fact, in his first few days in office, right after he was sworn in, he did countless executive orders reversing the successful border policies of President Trump. That is why we are where we are today. He could he could fix that by reverting back to remain in Mexico and in catch and release. Uh, there's numerous items, but uh, and, and the fact that we even appropriated five billion dollars in a bipartisan measure to build the wall, and he has not allowed one dollar of that to be used to building any portion of the wall, even though it was appropriated in a bipartisan measure by Congress. So right now we have a situation where Texas is actually fighting with the federal government. Twenty-four other states have backed Texas. Uh, they're all Republican states, but I'm sure Illinois, New York understands and uh, understands how they would benefit from the border being enforced. Have you ever in your life seen this? I have never seen anything like this. But you know what? The governor of Texas, Governor Abbott, has the right to protect his his constituents from an invasion that's happening at the southern border because the president of the United States is not enforcing the law. That's why you've seen dozens Dozens of, uh, of governors across the country um, speaking in support of Abbott's actions. So I want you to see what the Wall Street Journal says today to you guys in an editorial. 
they basically say they could be detrimental just walking away from a border deal. I'm not sure what it I have. I've gotten briefed on what it could be. And there's some really good things in there, but it's not everything, obviously. And this is what they say. Giving up on a border deal will be a self-inflicted GOP wound. President Biden would claim with cause that Republicans want border chaos as an election issue rather than solving the problem. Voter anger may over time move from Mr. Biden to the GOP and the public will have a point. Cynical is the only word that fits Republicans panning a border deal whose details aren't even known. Well, I would just say that the Wall Street Journal needs to know the root of the problem. The root of the problem are the actions of the Biden administration. You can't throw money at this problem to fix it. It's policies that were very effective, very effective under President Trump that were reversed in the first three days of office by President Biden. And that's why you've seen more people illegally cross the southern border than the entire population of my home state of Missouri and Delaware combined, plus more than two million gotaways. The terrorists that's crossing the southern border and the security risks that every American facing because of the reckless actions of President Biden is unacceptable. That's what needs to be addressed, not fake policies that will just try to throw some money in a direction. Well, I th- but and, what if it's more than that? The court. What if they say parole it- is gone, uh, asylum only if you can prove you're under threat, which means almost no one will get it? What if money is to fly these people rapid release, rapid return, I should say? What if it eliminates catch and release? What if some of, what if some of the things you sign off on? Uh, like, what if, if it some of it's policies- in there? If it has the policies of H.R. 2 that the House passed almost a year ago that secures our border, then that's a great, great agreement. But right now, they're not even talking an inch of what the House of Representatives passed almost a year ago. Uh, Did H.R. 2 get every Republican vote? H.R. 2 got the majority of Republicans. I don't know the answer to that. Right. We definitely Because you only have a, a two-seat majority. So yeah. I'm not even sure if H.R. Uh, 2 is possible. We've already passed H.R. 2, so it's already over in the United States Senate. We did our job in securing the border and the border policies. The United States Senate has yet to pass anything. Uh, yeah, just do you see a risk there to just walking away from the deal if you like two thirds of it? I think whenever you look at any agreement, you look if the good outweighs the bad, Brian, and that's how you have to look at it. So I always think that if you agree with someone 70 percent of the time, just like Ronald Reagan said, then they're a friend and that you should look at it in policy wise. However, you need to make sure that there's not provisions in a bill that are absolutely lethal and toxic, because sometimes that can be the case that sinks a whole bill. Uh, Here's what Gavin Newsom said. Cut 14. I thought that was shameful, what was reported out, that he's just completely rolling over and capitulating. Don't even get me started with the weakness of the current Speaker of the House. I mean, they don't want a deal, period, full stop. They don't want a deal. They don't want to make this a quote-unquote campaign win for Joe Biden. It's just everything you need to know about the fraud that they're perpetuating on the issue of the border. They want to make this a political issue consistently. Your thoughts about Gavin Newsom? I think he needs to take care of his home state of California and not be so worried about federal issues because he couldn't be more wrong in the statements he just made. 
I think you're 100% right. He's giving guys health care, free health care. That is the biggest magnet across the border. He does not even try to enforce his border, and his, uh, his state has been totally overrun. So this is an issue. The, the one thing I look at, Jason, and you live this every day, is that this is the one time you guys might have more leverage, even with President Trump in office, to actually pass something because it is so detrimental to even Democrats. I don't know anyone who says, yeah, the border is fine outside AOC. There, there's not. Democrats and Republicans know that the policies that Joe Biden reversed of President Trump's has created the crisis that we're facing at the southern border. And who can fix that? President Trump can definitely fix that. Joe Biden could fix it right now by himself, but he refused to over and over. So a couple of things going on right now. It looks like President Trump is going to have to wait a little bit longer to lock up uh, the nomination. Nikki Haley, I think, is a fine candidate, got a lot of energy and a lot of money. Does it hurt or help the party to have the presidential nomination process being dragged out? I, I, I think it's indifferent. Everyone knows that Donald Trump is the nominee. It's just running through the tape. Nikki Haley has no shot at being the nominee. We saw that. President Trump is the first um, first candidate to win Iowa and New Hampshire with more than 50 percent of the vote for both of them in the history of any contested race. There's no way. And then in South Carolina, which is her home state, he's going to blow her out. Uh, I always hear Nikki Haley say this. Donald Trump spent too much. He spent he'll put us seven trillion and seven trillion dollars to the debt. I'm not I know you were in ways and means then. But could you put in perspective how much money was put after the pandemic hit and how we just had to tell everyone not to work and write checks? We're going to give you free money. There were trillions of dollars that was passed um, during the pandemic and after the pandemic. Um, the, The bill that caused the biggest damage to the economy was the American Rescue Plan that was passed in the first three months of President Biden's term. It was a $2 trillion spending bill that was not needed. Even Democrat economists said that there was no additional need of money. Inflation before the passage of that bill was 1.4%. Since that time, inflation has risen 17.3%, causing every American to struggle to put food on their table, clothes in their backs, and gasoline in their cars. So it's those policies that was so bad. And the reason why they were able to get the American Rescue Plan passed is because the Democrats at that moment controlled the White House, the House, and the Senate. Uh, lastly, the President of the United States has, uh, has decided, real quick, uh, to stop all natural gas uh, uh, permits uh, in its tracks as of now. How much does this hurt this country? Last 30 seconds. I don't understand why the president has war on U.S. energy. We should embrace U.S. energy. We should utilize U.S. energy, not become more dependent on foreign sources that don't like us. Congressman Jason Smith, thanks so much. Appreciate it, Chairman. Great to be with you, Brian. All right, we're going to do a simulcast with Stuart Varney next. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. Covering this election year like no other, it's Brian Kilmeade. 
Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everyone. In a matter of moments, we're going to talk a little 2024 with Stuart Varney. We'll do a simulcast on FBN. That'll be great. Uh, and then we'll talk about uh, Nikki Haley staying in. Uh, she was on with uh, Dana Perino earlier. One thing is she's raised over $2 million since coming in second place uh, out of two contested, legitimate contestants in New Hampshire, Twenty uh, lost by about 11 percentage points. The question is, uh, going after Donald Trump personally, is that going to hurt the president? Uh, what about Donald Trump having to fight the intramural battle before he gets to the championship against Joe Biden? Is that going to hurt the president? I think that there's an excellent – there's a school of thought, and I subscribe to it, that the longer they have to treat the president Magically, like a legitimate contender – On your screens, right on the right-hand side. There the man is. Here we go. Right, Brian, Let's do the RNC, Republican National Committee, they wanted to make Trump the presumptive GOP nominee. Okay? Trump turned it down. Nikki Haley's outraged because it sounded like the RNC wanted her to drop out. So, Brian – should she drop a step aside? It's a little like the Democrats did when they basically just took a, woke up Joe Biden from asleep yep. and just told, made him the nominee last time, even though Bernie Sanders had the momentum. Elizabeth Warren couldn't get any traction, so they had no choice. And people were critical of that. I'm critical of this. I understand David Bossie's a big Trump fan. And David Bossie put together the criteria in order to get to the quickest winner quickly so they could start getting the money to the national candidate. I'm sure he was pulling for Trump, but he was approaching it fairly. Now it looks like there's no pathway for Nikki Haley ultimately to win. We don't know. But we look right now, and we've been through this so many times, every four years, everyone can kind of get it after a while. So it looks like Trump's going to do it. But I don't think there was any right for Ronna McDaniel to go through with it, for David Bossie to do it. And I'm so proud of the president for looking for the what's better for the country and ultimately for his nomination and saying, guys, thank you, but let me win the game. I don't want you to pay off the refs. That's what the Democrats do. Let me win the game, and let's okay. go do it. And But one thing that happened today I think is instructive. Nikki Haley was able to do an interview with us, and Donald Trump had to cancel an Arizona event in order to go to court. And that's what Nikki Haley's going to say. And that's, what she, that's a legitimate argument. Hey, listen, I can yep. campaign. He's going to be caught up in court. And then he's got to answer that. And I'm sure he has answers yeah. for it. Uh, but I don't like out. the personal attacks on saying the president's right. too old. Those are Democrats' attacks. The president screws up in maybe the 88th minute of a 90-minute speech. This president can't get through a 12-minute speech. That's true. I want to talk about Senator Joe Manchin. He went after Biden's administration. Watch this. I said, Mr. President, when he first got elected, I said, you've got the most liberal uh, administration I've ever seen. And he said, Joe, they tell me I have the most diverse. I said, sir, I'm not talking about diversity. I'm talking about that crazy. Because I know these people. I've worked with them for 12 years. And there's a lot of good people that are kind of afraid to speak out because they're afraid they'll get primary. Or they're afraid that uh, they're just not falling in line enough so they'll stay quiet. I wish I could have heard all of that and understood it, but basically my question is, is Manchin running on a third-party ticket? Is that what he wants to do? Number one, how great was that? Uh, I just love that you picked that soundbite. It's my favorite soundbite of the day. It's in, a, it's, in a, uh, it's in a brewery, so it's echoed. But what he said is, hey, Mr. President, you picked the most left-wing staff you could possibly pick. You know what he said? They tell me, number one, you didn't pick it. They tell me it's the most diverse. 
Can we please? You just outlined the difference between Democrats and Republicans. We want the best person. They want the most diverse person that checks boxes. When you do that, they end up protesting you out in front of your own White House because they don't like you. They're using you to get power. That's the only reason you trot out Joe Biden right now, because those assistants and those deputies and those secretaries and those czars want to keep their power. They don't care about Joe Biden himself. And I can't believe there's no one in his life who uh, cares more about him than they do about the White House. I love that, and I think Joe Manchin is running. Uh, right now, there are uh, no labels. There's 18 ballots. Okay. He says if they I get to 30, to he's in. I insist. I want to get to this. Have you seen this new study? It shows that Irish exiting, leaving a party without saying goodbye to anyone, gives you two days' worth of extra time in your life. I don't know whether you saw that or not, but I happen to do the Irish ex- exit every time. I never say goodbye. I just leave very quietly. How about you? I invented the Irish exit. Even before I could drive, I would leave a party early because I don't want to hug a bunch of people I'm going to see the next day. I want to just get out when I want to get out. I, want to get, I, I know when I have to leave, and I don't want people to convince me otherwise. So I love that study. Even if you made that up, Stuart, because I haven't read that anywhere, uh, I love that study. I'm going to live by it the rest of my life. And uh, I, now I knew instinctively what's best for me in the long run. And after yes. all, aren't we all out for what's best for ourselves? Yes, yes. I just like to get out early yes. without anybody knowing. It's I could see that. that you know, That's why I don't it. invite you out, because I never know when you're going to leave. <laughs> I leave early. Uh, Kilmeade, you are all right, and I will see you later. Have and a great I'll weekend, sir. <laughs> see you later. All right. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. I, I love the Irish exit. I mean, to me, it makes so much sense, because you know you're, you're speaking to them. You're like, okay, these people are busy, these people are busy. I'm just about done. i got to get up at 2.30 in the morning. i got to leave. I don't need to spend another 20 minutes telling people i got to get up at 2.30 in the morning. i got to leave. So I live by the Irish exit. And I, I don't like a lot of long goodbyes anyway. So Because you're not a hugger. Not a hugger. Uh, I, don't, I, don't need a lot to, I don't want to explain to people why I'm leaving. Because only I know. However, you probably have the best excuse out of anyone ever at a party. I'm waking up at 2.30 in the morning. And my other one was, I was up at 2.30. i got to go. So even if it's Saturday... I get out. Well, but for Saturday's the only day you don't have the excuse. My, my problem is, Allison, is Dawn does like to be polite. And Dawn will do the right thing and say goodbye to every single person. Oh, oh I guess we got to say goodbye to the host. we got to make sure they know that we bought them a bottle of wine. we got to go over here. we got to say goodbye to everyone. And that is the right thing. But now i got to say this study says that our lives will be better if you just follow me. She'll get more time with you. But that right. makes total sense because she's one of the sweetest human beings out there. Right. She's very nice. I will give her a tip because my mom did the same thing. My dad would want to go. He'd tell my mom, Cheryl, start saying goodbye now, like an hour before he wanted to leave. And then that sort of helped. Did it work? Eh, she's still always right. eager too Because they get caught up. But it shortened it up. Hey, listen, we're going to go. Oh, you're going to go? Really? Why are you going? Why are you going? Oh, really? Going? Why don't you stay a little while? We're going to sing. We're going to give out cake. And you love to dance. Right. And we could dance. Right. And we'll have a closing dance. By the way, there's good news. They're adding pickleball to the curriculum of most gym classes, which I love. Gives even people that are not great athletes a chance to play. And I hope it's in lieu of square dancing. Because to me, square dancing should not be in gym. Am I right, Eric? He's nodding yes. Thank you, Eric. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. 
So glad you're here. Brian Kilmeade from 48th and 6th in Manhattan. Uh, we just in New Hampshire. Before that, most of the show was in Iowa. We have so much to talk about as uh, we talk about New York City and where the former president of the United States is going back to court today. So he's going to have this civil trial over, whether it's going to cost him $5 million, $10 million, or zero. I'm not sure. But at least one will be done. That will be good, I guess, from his stake. And then... The big story today, Mike Brown will read in the New York Times how Alvin Bragg is queuing up to get his case going in the spring. That case is an excellent chance of blowing up. And you imagine the jet fuel that will give the Trump administration, uh, the Trump team, uh, who is ready to go. And Nikki Haley's looking to stay. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. But when it comes to social media... It follows us everywhere with addictive little pings and algorithms that keep us constantly turning back to it. These dopamine hits are so addictive, it's like a digital fentanyl. Fiona uh, Fiona McFarland, uh, the Florida State House Representative, bill sponsor of a social media uh, push to ban social media for kids under 16. This is also urged by the mayor of New York City. Is this a trend you can back? And is it even possible to enforce? Number two. Since the New Hampshire primary, where she placed second, she has raised more than $2.5 million. Her super PAC, I'm told, is also raking in cash. But it's going to be tough for her to ramp up a national campaign very quickly. There you go. The GOP fight goes on for Nikki Haley. She stays in with enough donor dollars flowing to fight against Trump. This is Reuters poll shows. Trump is up by six against Biden now. Number one. We stand with Governor Abbott and Texas in reminding the federal government under our constitution, states are still sovereign. Texas has every right to stand its ground. Governor Abbott has done the exact right thing, and I'll drive him more razor wire from South Dakota if I have to. A Texas standoff triggering a national divide on 25 states backing Texas in their effort to defend their own border because Biden won't. He's warning Governor Abbott to stand down. Guess who's not? Texas and Governor Abbott, who I believe is going to India this weekend. Uh, trying to get some more commerce in there. Shannon Bream is joining us now, fresh off her trip to New Hampshire, uh, getting set to host her show, Fox News Sunday, which amongst her guests will be uh, Chairman McCall, right, Michael McCall? You got it. He's going to be with us to talk about all kinds of foreign policy issues, but the border, too. He's obviously from Texas and has had just about enough. And who else do you have? We have got the NATO Secretary General to talk with us about a, a lot of big foreign policy issues. Sweden's still on the cusp of trying to get in as Russia continues its march on Ukraine also. I have, hopefully by the end of this interview, I can tell you the other two people that we have locked in. I'm watching yeah. my phone, but it will be very much to do with the Senate border negotiation bill. Well, Turkey's out of Sweden's way, so Sweden should be in. And you yeah. take that. Well, I mean, Hungary is still giving them some problems, so we'll see. Oh, really? Yeah. Why would Hungary be against Sweden joining NATO? Think about that. Right. There there are questions. Critics say that Hungary is too tight with Putin uh, and that there are some potential conflicts there. But I haven't asked uh, President Orban myself, so I'm going to have to just speculate. Well, yeah, there's no reason. I mean, it has to be a homage to Vladimir Putin, uh, more than disturbing. So let me bring you to Greg Abbott's case that he has for putting more razor wire down and ignoring the, the Supreme Court order mm-hmm. to let the, uh, let the Border Patrol in. Cut five. It was the states that created the United States. And when the states voted to uh, create the United States and have a constitution, uh, included in that agreement was the compact that the federal government would take care of the states. And 
Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution speaks to that and, and says that uh, if the federal government does not take care of the states, and the states are in danger, well, we can ask the federal government to live up to its obligation. Then the authors of the Constitution knew there would be times when the federal government would not live up to its duty. And so they empowered states in Article 1, Section 10, the right of self-defense. And what Texas is asserting is our Article 1, Section 10 right of self-defense because the President of the United States is not fulfilling his duty to enforce the laws passed by Congress that deny illegal entry into the United States. That's his argument, legal, I mean, constitutionally. What do you think as a lawyer, opinion aside, as a lawyer, Shannon, is it solid? What's its weakest, what's its weakest side? I think it's tricky because you don't have case law that shows invasion, which is the word used in both of those constitutional segments. The word invasion is what you're going to have to define. Back in the time that those um, articles were drafted, obviously the border states would have to worry about actual other countries coming across their border. And I think that that's going to be, you know, as Jonathan Turley talked about this morning, that's going to be the trickiest part for arguing this in a court now in 2024. Does what we're seeing at the border equate to an invasion? I think some judges would say yes. Do you get five out of nine on the Supreme Court? I don't know. Well, what did they just rule? They just ruled that they had to take the the wire down. No. All they did was get rid of this lower court order that told the feds they couldn't touch it. So the Supreme Court did not say anything on the merits. They didn't say, you got to go take the wire down. All they did was strike down this lower court order that was blocking the feds from doing it. So now whether the feds do it or not is up to them. Interesting clarification. So mm-hmm. the question is, and I know one of our reporter, Matt Finn, says he doesn't doesn't look likely, but could there be a confrontation between Texas National Guard and the Border Patrol, federal troops, anything? That's obviously everybody's kind of worst nightmare. If you look at our men and women in uniform as the good guys, we don't want two sets of good guys having to go after each other. I talked to some Border Patrol folks yesterday who said to me, we cannot imagine a physical altercation. We know they have superiors to obey. We know we have superiors to obey. But we're all trying to do the same thing, but which is to that, make the border law. Shannon, I know, but if your superior says go in there and cut the wire, and Texas says well, if they go to cut the wire, block them, That's the problem. They're all taking orders. I'm not sure that Texas would do that. I mean, they still have the court arguments to play out. It might hurt them in court if there is some kind of physical dust-up between these two agencies. Um, February 7th, the Fifth Circuit, which is that step one below with the Supreme Court, they're going to hear arguments over this. And I think this whole thing ends up back at the Supreme Court where they'll actually hear the the case on the merits. And I do think you could get a different ruling than this order you got this week. Here is what Greg Abbott said about that cut 11. Now, I think maybe we will get it to the Fifth Circuit on its merits, where I believe we can win. And I do believe that when it gets to the Supreme Court, we can win. We already, I I don't know how and why the justices voted the way they did, but there seemed to be four justices who indicated at least an appetite to the case as is. A fair point is the the case that was presented to, to the United States Supreme Court actually did not have very much of a record upon which a an appellate court can actually make a decision. Mm. So those who may not have voted in favor of Texas or those say those who voted to send it back to the Fifth Circuit, they may have thought in their mind that there's not enough record for them to make a decision. So this is going to be uh, fascinating. But in the meantime, this is a problem. They don't want more. They want what they had, a semblance of border security. 
So mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how any responsible governor could do anything but this. How do you just let cities get overrun? How, how do you let how do you let your border states get overrun? And how do you and if you are a blue state governor or mayor, how do you not say, well, you got to stop it at the border? They've said as much. Yeah. And and that's what, you know, Governor Abbott brought up as well. These other cities and states and governors that are further north and they are blue are now getting it because they see what's happening. They're hearing from their constituents. They're begging the White House. They're calling out the White House, which is why this has become such a tough issue for President Biden. The polling is terrible and publicly your own party is calling you out. But yet these border state governors say we absolutely believe and have a legal argument, we think, um, to lock it down because, you know, the big case that was at the Supreme Court, I think 2012 or so was Arizona when they tried to pass their own law there to be able to arrest people, keep them out, that kind of thing. Um, it was a split decision at the at the court. Arizona lost. Justice Scalia wrote concurring in part, but the dissent was really the main part of what he wrote. And he said, if we don't think Arizona can pass laws like this and protect its own border, how do we even call it a sovereign state? We have to stop doing that if we don't think that states can actually take these measures and take these steps. Wow, they should cite that. Uh, That was certainly strong. So the Wall Street Journal writes this about a would-be immigration reform plan that's going to be released soon. It's already already in overtime. It says some Republicans are demanding nothing less than what their own preferred border bill, known as H.R. 2. That measure commanded no Democratic support in the House, and it won't miraculously win over the Democrats needed to clear the Senate. Yet giving up on a border security bill would be a self-inflicted GOP wound. President Biden would claim with cause that Republicans want border chaos as an election issue rather than solving the problem. Voter anger may over time move to Biden uh, from Biden to the GOP. If this is as good as Senator Langford has says, is some parts of this are fantastic, but he doesn't get everything he needs. Do you think Republicans would be wise to keep their powder dry until at least it comes out? Okay, I now have an update for you. I have just received confirmation that Langford is going to join us on Sunday. So we will be able to push him for more details on this thing that people want to kill before they've ever seen it. Um, We have the speaker out this morning, too, saying basically from what we know, it would have been DOA over here anyway. But as you mentioned, there's that whole problem of who gets blamed for this thing, because if President Trump, you know, it's being touted that he wants to keep it alive. So he has it for a campaign issue. You got folks out there like Congressman Dan Crenshaw from Texas saying, how in the world do we justify to people out there that we're going to let hundreds of thousands of more people in this dangerous, chaotic situation at the border just because we want to keep it for an election issue. So, listen, it will give the White House a lot of room to point back at Republicans and say, this is your fault if it doesn't come together. And you got people like Lindsey Graham out there warning, you're not going to get a better deal. Even if Trump wins, Democrats are going to expect something much more. You got to get to 60 votes in the Senate. You're not going to have them probably. So take what you can get. Just read it first. <laughs> I mean, right, I, well, right. I'm watching a press and, conference where people haven't read it yet, and they're condemning it. Yeah, which is why I'm so glad that Langford's going to be with us on Sunday. Yeah. So we'll confront him about some of the most controversial stuff. Is President Trump right? Is Speaker Johnson right? Is it full of stuff that's really good for people who want the border to continue and not good for locking it down? I can't imagine Langford would waste so much time on something that would be that terrible there's got to be something redeeming or why waste all this time i don't know we'll see what's in there yeah we'll see what's in there uh finally uh this is joe biden at the primary debate which i think should be on any donald trump 
ad. Cut one. I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. That's exactly, Shannon, what happened. Please don't tell me this is a natural migration or it's global warming. This, they are doing what he said. Well, and also in 2007, he was at a debate where he was asked whether sanctuary cities should be punished and whether they should be allowed to defy federal law. And he said, no, they should not be able to defy federal law. But that's the whole argument against the Biden administration is that there are plenty of laws on the books. They are not enforcing them. Um, And back in 2007, when he was running to become president, he certainly thought that that's nothing that's not something cities should get away with. Right. And let's say I'm sure you saw the Reuters poll. I'm not sure. I know if it reached our standards. But as Donald Trump uh, beating Joe Biden now mm-hmm. by six, 40, 34. And if RFK stays in the race, he beats him by six, 36 to 30. RFK uh, seems to be taking more from uh, Joe Biden. Uh, and that is, means that not much Nikki Haley. She's going to soldier on. But she is kind of losing that argument that Donald Trump can't win. I'm not saying he will, but saying he can't is just not mm-hmm. reflective of what we're seeing. Well, and that issue was one that you and I heard from voters on the ground in Iowa and New Hampshire. When I, I said to Nikki Haley, the voters, what's the deal? What's the policy? They said, I think she has a better chance to win in the general. It wasn't when I said, well, what about the border or Ukraine or about whatever? It wasn't her policy position. It was that they want to win and they think she has the best chance. But the more polling that you get and, you know, the Trump campaign, you know, make sure that we all see it. And they and they flooded out to us, too. If they have more and more polls increasing, saying that he can win the general, it does mute a bit of that argument for her. OK, Janet, you have a lot to do. I'm so glad you got Langford. I'll be watching. We'll be playing that uh, the sound back on Monday. And all I could say is uh, Langford should get ready for some Republican blowback. Whatever you do, do not label him a moderate. Do not say he is a rhino. Understand that he's trying to work out a deal, and you can't get everything with a deal. You might not like the deal. That's fine. But don't tar the guy uh, because he's out there rolling up his sleeves. Well, he's about as conservative as they come. So whether this deal is or not, he is. That's his reputation here on the Hill. But um, we will have some Republican critics to come join, and, and we'll debate what's in the deal as we know it. Go get him. Shannon Bream, thanks See so Saturday much. Saturday night. You got it. Saturday night, 9 o'clock. Uh, we have One Nation. Amongst my guests, Eric Trump will be with us and the Ruthless Podcast, the whole cast. And then Jay Glazer breaks down the football games and this thing called the – Taylor Swift phenomenon that's helped the number one sport in America become the number one, have a number, the number one year they've ever had in terms of viewership, which says a lot in this fractured uh, media landscape that we're in right now. Listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Your call's next. I one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. The first stop will be St. Louis. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's unfortunate that there is a governor in Texas, Governor Abbott, who has politicized this issue of what's happening on the border. And it's not making people's lives safer. It's actually making it harder for law enforcement at the, at the border to do their job. Unbelievable, right? Does she even believe what she's saying or have a clue what's going on? Uh, KJP talking about Governor Abbott taking action by putting up more wire and putting his uh, border agents down there. By the way, the, the cost to Texans is billions. Julie listening on News Talk 97.1. Hey, Joy. Hey there. 
Hey, I'm so mad if Trump is actually trying to blow up a border deal. The media, every story on Google, if you Google Trump border deal, is that he's trying to tank it. What do you know about this? I, I don't know. I don't know for sure. But let's see what's in it. Uh, my feeling is if there's a lot of good in it. Mitch McConnell came out and said, I guess it's not in. Uh, he's our nominee and he doesn't want it. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, there's a lot of things. He's that- trying to kill it. It's bad on two fronts. Number one, that he's trying to kill a deal to control the border. But also look at this story he's handing the media. Absolutely. You know, here's our nominee. Here's our nominee. And he's trying to kill a border deal. And now Biden is all over him saying he wants the chaos. Well, he, Trump yeah, doesn't want that's the chaos. true. I, and listen, I want to see what's in it. But the one thing they do is they have no trust that Joe Biden will implement anything that they pass. And yet he'll get a chance to high five and say, look what I've done. That's the that's the rub. But the Wall Street Journal agrees with you today and says Republicans should really think of it. Read it first. Really think about what bothers him. See if it can be fixed and know that Donald Trump will not be able to get everything done that he wants done. And a lot of this stuff, if he thinks he's going to be president, and I do think he will win, if he wants to be president, a lot of this stuff will make his job easier. So I, I, I have the same worry that you have, Julie, just blindly saying whatever Joe Biden has, we can we can uh, support Karen in San Diego. Hey, Karen. Hey, good morning, Mr. Kilmeade. What's on your mind? Um, yeah, I, I want to let people know what it's like to live near the border. And they have no idea. They don't. What is it like? We have tent cities all over, all over my small town. I'm not just in San Diego. I am 10 minutes from the border. I can literally ever, throw a rock. How does that compare to three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago? Oh, my God. It's inundated. It's at every park. You can't take your kids to local parks. It's at our libraries. They're, they're camped out near elementary schools. There are tent cities all along. We have a trolley that is inundated. I, about, I almost had a heart attack when I saw it. I was down in that area where my grandma used to live, and it's, like, inundated with homeless people. Yeah, I saw this thing on La Jolla where these guys come in in a powerboat. They run up to the shore, up the rocks. I know exactly where they're running. And they go into SUVs and they get pulled away. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. We stand with Governor Abbott and Texas in reminding the federal government that under our Constitution, states are still sovereign. And we have the right to protect our citizens. Texas has every right to stand its ground. And Florida will continue to be there uh, helping out every step of the way. Governor Abbott has done the exact right thing. And I'll drive him more razor wire from South Dakota if I have to. And that is uh, Texas getting some support from other state governors, all Republicans, saying you have the right to put their own Constantine wire down, put your own Texas Rangers there, and watch your own border. The problem is the Border Patrol has been barred from places like Shelby Park. Why? Because they're not enforcing the border. They're cutting the wire and letting these guys and these families in. And they have had it in Texas. Uh, with me right now to talk about this and bring some legal uh, uh, wisdom to it is uh, Lexi Rigdon, attorney and legal analyst, and you've seen her all over the channel. Lexi, welcome back. Thank you. Good to see you. 
So your thoughts about the 25 states backing Texas, does that is that just a feeling of is that just support or does that does that matter? Well, I think legally, legally speaking, I'm not sure if it matters, uh, except for if they're going to be. If this ends up getting brief, they could submit amicus briefs, friends of the court briefs to try to make their own arguments. But I think also just the court of public opinion can't be overstated on this. And I dare the Biden administration to actually send people down there to try to cut those wires because that will be all over the news. And people are going to say, what are you doing? There are people flooding over our borders. It's records. It's undisputed that it's it's a record amount of people coming over the border. So I think it would be a really bad look for them. I'm not sure that they'll actually do it, but they do so many dumb things that they might. I don't know. Right. So if they if they do that, they say that you can nationalize the Texas National Guard. You could walk mm-hmm. up to them and say, you're now federal officers. Right. Do you see that happening? That you know, would be insanity. It would be insanity. It's a constitutional crisis because you have a state's right to protect itself from a quote-unquote invasion, and then you have the federal government who has an obligation to protect the border. And so if you have the federal government right. that doesn't want to and the state wants to, then, I mean, it's it's a mess and it's unprecedented. Here's what John Kirby, when, what John Kirby said when asked. Cut four. Is the administration considering federalizing the Texas National Guard? I talked about this the other day. I don't have any decisions uh, uh, respect to that to speak to uh, for the for the president um, uh, no, I, I don't have anything on that. it would be a radical move for sure be a radical move and you know what they might as well continue to do nothing because it's not really stopping anybody anyway they're right. finding other ways in they're coming in anyway i mean so it's like they might as well just if they want this influx of people or they at least don't care they're going to turn a blind eye continue doing what you're doing because it's working they're all coming over so today with the Eugene Carroll case is going on that this is the last day right closing mm-hmm. arguments took place yeah i've been here what could you ask, tell our audience happen in this civil trial and when do you think we're going to get a verdict and it really is how much the former president owes her right right uh, trump walked out during the closing arguments i guess something i mean he's he's done that before i mean he walked out yesterday mumbling something about you know this is america. america exactly so I'm not certainly not surprised by that. Um, but they're just waiting on a jury to determine what the damages are. And I think he's going to have to pay because they're not allowed to consider liability. They're not supposed to go in there and say, well, you know, I really didn't think in the first place that he did it because that wasn't their their role. So they had an expert testify the plaintiffs about what it cost her and reputation if she were going to try to get her reputation back to try to have some type of actual number to go with in terms of a jury awarding. But I think that the real problem is the punitives. And, and if you have an unfavorable jury pool who knows he's a rich guy, sky's the limit. $10 million should be it, right? That's what they asked for. Well, I think they asked for $10 million in compensatory. I don't, I don't know if they asked for more in punitives. But $10 million, more than $10 million, a little less, still, still a lot of money. So Even for him. I mean, that's a lot of money. Is there process? I'm sure he will appeal it. I'm sure he so will. before I'm he sure. writes a check, there'll be an appeal. Yeah, I think he even put the money that he owed from the sexual assault liability finding into escrow while it's being appealed. I don't think he's actually paid it. So with this, it'd probably be the same thing. Alvin Bragg says he's getting his case ready mm-hmm. for some time in the spring. No one thought it was the case, but with the delay now trying to find out if the president was immune, right. with the delay in the documents case because everyone's got to get uh, top secret clearance in order to review the document to make up a defense – and now with the Georgia case, which I'm going to get to shortly, uh, a total mess because yeah. of the inappropriate actions of the prosecutor and maybe others. Now it looks like Alvin Bragg's case front and center. Mm-hmm. This is the weakest case, even by people that hate Trump. 
It is. It's the weakest case. It's the least sexy case, too, because ultimately it doesn't have that much to do with Stormy Daniels. It's really just about the, the business, the business record keeping. And it's funny because he was the first to indict. And I'm sure he got a kick out of that, that he could be say he was the first guy. And then he said, but, you know, we don't have to try it in March. We can you know, we can wait for to see how the federal cases work out. And now it's kind of like time's coming up. They're going to be determining next month whether it's going to be tried. So he may end up actually being first. There's, he's going to be like, well, who, who's behind me here? And there's nobody because nobody else is ready. So it it might be. But you know what? It's just going to galvanize the people that support Trump because this one really does feel like a silly exercise, like the Letitia James case also. Yeah. But before we get to that, uh, so Michael Cohen really started this case. Mm-hmm. He's saying he used uh, campaign money to pay off Stormy Daniels and maybe others yeah. in order to, once he became president, to get these cases gone. Yes. And you're talking about a lot of years. So right. you threw away the statute of limitations in order to bring this case forward. Mm-hmm. This case was not moving until the White House put one of their counsel people into that, into Bragg's team. And then suddenly Bragg's goes, I have a strong case here. Nobody else thought that. Right. I know. Nobody else thought it. And it's kind of a it's kind of a footnote now after four indicts, four indictments in five months. That one was huge news when it came out because it was the first time. And then when they kept coming out, it's like, oh, that one. You know, it's like the the um, the Georgia one is big and the Jack Smith, D.C. one is big. But this is just kind of a sideshow, I think. The other civil trial that's going to be coming front and center is Letitia James and mm-hmm. saying that not only does the president owe 200 million, 250 million, now that she wants 370 million and she wants to bar him from ever uh, working in real estate in New York again. Yeah. So have they put from what you could tell, have they put together the type of case that might be effective in stopping Trump? Is this a fait accompli as the judge basically says this guy's a fraud before the trial started? Well, Angeron is not Trump's fan, to put it mildly, and he's the trier of fact here. There's no jury. So he's going to be making the decision. So I am going to assume that he's going to just try to slam him every way he can. I mean, that'll obviously be appealed also, but I think it's I think it's a problem for Trump, but it's much less of a problem than his criminal cases. And I saw a clip that you did on One Nation where she's, you know, we're going to get Trump. She's practically campaigning on it. And they've argued this was a victimless crime. We paid all of our debts. The <clears> banks <throat> made a ton of money. You're just looking into us because our last name is Trump. Right. Uh, and she basically ran on. He's a de- Democrat, too. I mean, just mm-hmm. the way the system works. Yeah. But then he gets that appeals. He moves on. And then we'll find out about those other cases, Ben, it would be a lot of money. Yeah. It was amazed me. And by the way, we're talking to uh, uh, Lexi Rigdon. Lexi, how much money you need to to fight this? So if, I, if I'm just a civilian and I feel as though I've been unjustly accused, and I want to fight this. There's all the incentive is to cut a deal because you're mm-hmm. going to wear me out. I'm no financially and I'm not guaranteed a victory even if I if I am right. A million percent. And most people obviously are not in this boat. But I have – you know, there are so many people, you know, even like the J6 defendants, like they might just at some point have said, you know, fine, uncle, I don't have the money to pay for, you know, a lawyer who's dedicated to my case 24 seven like Trump does. So uh, the other case is the Georgia case. I know they're mm-hmm. hard to keep straight, but this is important because this is a state case where they charge 17 people in a conspiracy RICO case. A lot of people thought to themselves, including our experts here, like Andrew Murray, uh, Andrew McCarthy, as well as Jonathan Turley. Why are you try? Why are you getting all 17 together? How are you going to make sense of this? Mm-hmm. Well, three quickly cut deals because of what I told you. It's not like they have no money, right. but it's do I want to lose my fortune defending myself here? So the former president has joined with Michael Roman's motion seeking the dismissal of the grand jury indictment of the Georgia election interference case uh, on Fannie Willis 
her office and special president Nathan Wade and their uh, their relationship. It looks like this guy got the job because of their relationship. Yeah. That's what's alleged. They don't deny it. And Nathan Wade has done car accidents in the past and divorces. Mm-hmm. Yet he's gotten paid at least six hundred eighty four thousand dollars, maybe more. And two of his invoices show he's collaborating with White House counsel. Yeah. Now they want to join us. Say throw this out. What's salacious and what is what puts uh, what is backs Trump's push to toss it? What is just like bad decisions? Well, I think it's it's hard to get charges and indictments dismissed. And I think that this is more on the surface. It looks really bad. And Fonnie Willis and her crew and Wade would do themselves a favor if he got out of the case because it's a massive distraction and it just undercuts the trust that the people might have in this district attorney's office. However, I don't necessarily think it's like a legal conflict that would rise to the level of actually dismissing the charges or the indictment. I think it's something that his attorneys and Roman's attorneys had to try. They had to file the motion. They had to make the argument because there there's some merit to it. But ultimately, it doesn't mean I mean, there are people that agree with the prosecution or, and don't agree with the prosecution. But the fact that she's in bed potentially literally with the special prosecutor doesn't mean that there was no basis for a grand jury to return an indictment. Would she get uh, ex- exited from the case? Um, that'd be up to the court to, to decide. I mean, she's clearly not going to. Um, but but, they, Nathan, but they Wade is, Nathan Wade does not qualify. They didn't go through the system. Mm-hmm. He is going on vacation with money ostensibly yeah. that he got from taxpayers that he's not qualified to get. And the other thing is it just optics the way they have denied ever collaborating with the White House, yet they're caught billing mm-hmm. their meetings with White House counsel in Athens and another city. It stinks and it is a very bad look for everybody. And they may be behind the scenes. I doubt it. But dotting their their eyes and crossing their T's and, and trying to bring this case forward. But it doesn't mean that it that what's going on. This is a sideshow that's eroding kind of like the integrity of what's going on. And, and she spoke at a church and said, oh, it's because he's black and I'm black, which is hogwash. Right. I mean, they're they're dating. And the fact that she didn't get up, the fact that she used that and didn't get up there and say, all of that is BS. It didn't happen. She has to use to play the race card to try to get people to not criticize her. She might as well have just admitted it. There's clearly something going on. Why do you think Trump waited to join uh, Roman's case? He waited. Mm-hmm. Roman, Mike, this guy, Mike Roman, who I never heard of. Yeah. Uh, he's one of the 17. He goes, I have a huge problem with this. He found out about it. It looks like it's 100 percent true. And then Trump jumps in. Does, does the dynamics of the former president, the most important person in this case, jumping in matter? Um, I'm not sure it will legally matter. Uh, I think I think it matters in terms of bringing this to light. It's much more interesting to people that it isn't some guy that no one's really heard of in, in this case. It's actually Trump also. But I think they also didn't know about it. I mean, it was this lawyer, Ashley Merchant, who filed the motion and didn't have I mean, people have attacked it that it doesn't have enough evidence, but they had to unseal the divorce documents. But somehow she had well-grounded information enough to file something like this. So I don't think that Trump or his lawyers actually knew about it. Right. Then when they saw it, they probably went, oh, my God, this is great. Lexi, uh, when we come back, I just want your take on this unique story that happened in the U.K. We keep hearing about how uh, allowing other people from other countries to come into your country without really taking a loyalty test could be a problem. The Mm -hmm. U.K. is experiencing that heavily with the Middle East. And now we see with China, this exchange, I think, is something people should hear. We'll talk about that when we come back on the Brian Kilmeade Show, finishing up the week and the hour. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade.
From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This incident happened in the U.K., but I think you'll find it of interest. Uh, Lexi Rigdon's here, and she's an attorney and legal analyst. Lexi, I know you don't know the ins and outs of U.K. law, but I'm pretty sure it's a free country. Right. Right? So we have this guy in a mall who does this for a living. He'll play. He's a great piano player, it seems, to my amateur ears. And he likes to play in public places. They tape it, and they, they put it on YouTube, and they make money. So these three Chinese students come by, or four or five, we don't know, but they look to be in their 20s. And they say this. Just listen to this exchange. So basically, um, yes. we will much appreciate it when you are, whatever you're doing, that oh, you yeah. don't put our face on, on, oh. on, on yes, TV. Yes, yes. Okay, yeah. so what, what will happen if it's Just don't do it, please. I, I will really appreciate that. Okay. We, we just very yeah. sensitive about this. Issue. I'm really, really sorry. But we love your music. Yeah, we would want to stay here for a lot longer. I mean, the only, the only yeah. thing is, it's just, it's just like there's other people filming as well. And that's, that's absolutely fine. That's the other people's business. They can make their own decisions. So, that's I'm, absolutely I'm, so fine. how come seven? It's the only issue. It's just not us, please. Yeah, that's just the relationship between you and me. You and us, basically. What what relationship? Just, now, we are very, so I'm going to repeat that. All of us, we cannot share our images online. So these Chinese students holding Chinese flags are saying we can't share our images online. What, What if legally, from what you know, can you stop someone from putting their phone up and taping themselves? And if someone's caught in the background, they're caught in the background? I think in America, you have no right to privacy if you're wherever they were and somebody's playing piano in public. And so, you no, no, I don't mean right to privacy, no expectation of privacy. You know you're in a public place. And so there's really no issue with doing it. Walk out of the frame. The real question is, what are they so afraid of? Who are they and why are they so afraid? And it's it's funny because most people in the West are dying to be on TikTok, Instagram. They, they want their faces out there everywhere. And there's there's some reason that this is potentially like a cultural issue for them, which is exactly kind of what you said, is there's a tension between unfettered and unregulated immigration and the way that the culture shifts right. when people who aren't from an area come in and want to do things their way. Here, here's more. Flag, it eh? doesn't matter. Why you're touching her? Stop touching her! Don't touch her, please. Do not touch her, please. You are not the same age. Please do not touch her. Don't touch her. Please don't touch her. Please don't. Yeah, don't touch her. Don't touch her. Please don't touch her. Please don't touch her. Please don't touch her. So he didn't touch her, by the way. Yeah. He said, look, is that your flag? He's like, so he doesn't, he doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. They're still rolling on it. And finally this. This is going on your YouTube channel, and I don't want it to go on your YouTube channel. Well, don't channel. talk to me then, Kerry. Listen. Listen. She's at Kerry. We're in Britain. Right. We're in a public space. We've got free Okay, this, just to explain it. This is the police now in front uh, trying to tell her, trying to talk to the guy. The communist flag. And we're in a free space in a free country. I'm not causing any trouble. There's an allegation being made, and that's why. I'm What's the allegation? Now you told me to stop filming, and now you say there's an allegation. The camera an never allegation. lies. The allegation. That's why I filmed. Ca- you told me to turn off my camera, and now you're saying I've got the an allegation. Camera, What's the, the allegation? Reason why, the reason why I'm asking you not to film it is because I know that you are putting this on your YouTube. Doesn't matter where it goes. We're in a free country. What's your reaction? Um. That they've called way more attention to themselves by by causing a confrontation as opposed to just getting out of the frame. I'm not sure who they were worried about. Maybe it was the principle of the thing. Maybe they were actually worried about somebody seeing it. But now people are seeing it. 
where we wouldn't have been before. Right. And there's over 7 million hits. Right. You know, in China, they say you're taped everything you do. Mm-hmm. And you get a loyalty. I think they, they have a use a better word than that, a patriotic score. Yeah. And you can't get certain jobs if you don't, if you if you answer back, don't go to school, whatever it is. Or if you're caught doing something unsavory. Right. That's insane. Yeah. But, but when they bring their mores to uh, our shores, that's a, a bigger deal. That's right. And that's why people don't want refugees from certain countries that are hostile mm-hmm. to America and people flooding across the border that don't share our cultural lifestyle and views. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Lexi uh, Rigdon, we're going to have to use you throughout this election season because we know Donald Trump is looking at 91 charges, at least four major indictments that could result in his arrest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, besides that, I don't really see a reason to interpret the law. Uh, meanwhile, i got to urge everybody to watch One Nation this weekend. Amongst my guests will be Eric Trump. It'll be great. Jay Glazer will break down the NFL playoffs, the, ta- the Taylor Swift ph- uh, phenomenon. And the whole cast of the Ruthless uh, podcast, all of them, to bring us inside Washington and why Nikki Haley is right or not right to stay aboard. Does it hurt or help Donald Trump? You'll be shocked by what they have to say. And Jamie Lissau will close the show. That's coming up 9 o'clock on Saturday night. I hope everyone's there. BrianKillMe.com. Don't any of my books. Thanks, Lexi. Thank you. The world of business moves fast. Stay on top of it with the Fox Business Rundown every Monday and Friday. Listen to the Fox Business Rundown starting May 20th at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.